Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. And now your host, Tim Penny and the Art of War coaches. Hello and welcome to the Art of War 40K, your podcast for high-level strategy and tactics, detailed list breakdown from the top players around the world. I'm your host, Tim Penny, and today I'm joined by my friend, co-host, and I guess boss, Nick Nadavati. Welcome, Nick. How you doing, Tim? Excited I'm to be good. Here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I am so excited to talk. Tyranids, grouply little creatures, one of my favorite factions. I love Tyranids, and I'm super, I'm, I mean, I'm waiting. They're just sitting on my shelf of sadness right now, waiting for the Codex. I'm, uh, unlike our guest, I can't quite work the magic, so I'm kind of waiting for those new rules. But I'm, I'm very excited to uh, talk about today. I uh, understand you have the uh, team tournament uh, coming up very soon. Um, we do. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling great. At the time of recording, Monday before the team tournament, so the eve's upon us. This episode will have aired by the time you listen to it, but... It's cool. I'm excited. I hope we win. I hope we won already. I hope I'm playing Tyranids. You guys don't even know yet. I am. Really? Okay. So switch from uh, what was it orcs to GK to Tyranids now, huh? You don't know. I don't know. <laughs> just sp- just spin a roulette table when you show up. That's the plan. There you go. Uh, we are joined today by Mr. Uh, Alex McDougal, the uh, the hive mind himself. Welcome. Hello, Alex. Uh, how you doing? How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Sweet. Why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us about the uh, the event you run? We're going to roll right into this list. Yeah, sure. So the event that I was just at was called the No Tack X, which was a play on the words of uh, Attack X, which is the normal major that happens uh, this time of year, which is the biggest tournament in Western Canada, usually about 120 plus. And I think it was supposed to be like 160 this year. Uh, but we couldn't do that because of COVID. So out of nowhere, we decided, hey, let's do a GT instead. And we got 32. So just proper little regular GT sized. And it was great. Got a really good venue. Sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, little lemonades from lemons kind of situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. A little GT and then uh, bag the win. That's pretty cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about your list. Um, let's just go right off the bat, top to bottom and uh, run through it. And then we're going to start dissecting it. Sounds good. Am I going into it? <laughs> yeah, just read, read off the list. Yeah, you're, you're, the best, you're the best one to read it off. Okay. Uh, so the first attachment is a patrol detachment of Kraken Tyranids, and it's a hive tyrant with uh, dual setting talents, adrenal glands, the resonance barb uh, relic, which is plus one to cast and an extra cast. And I also got him of oh, wings, of course. And adaptive physiology for murderous size. So really trying to beef up how much damage he can do in combat. Uh, then the Swarmlord, of course. Uh, a 16 pack of gene stealers. 10 Hormagaunts. 25 of the Devourer Gaunts with the better guns. A Lictor a py- and a Pyrovore. And the whole point of that fact or detachment is just like speed and damage dealing and board control. And then the second detachment is Kronos, another patrol, because I'm hungry for CP. Uh, a second flyrant, and this is my very like versatile, do everything flyrant. It's got adrenal glands, uh, monstrous running claws, the dual devourers, and the oh sorry, this is the one with the resonance barb. I made a mistake. The other one was not resonance barb. This is the guy with resonance barb with psychic scream and smite and onslaught. And he's so he's reasonable in combat, reasonable in shooting, reasonable in psychic, and he's just kind of like a toolbox. Uh, then I also have a neurothrope. And another pack of 10 Hormagaunts, 
and six hive guard and an exocrine. And of course, the neurotrope's just sitting back there, babysitting the hive guard and the exocrine. And then I have a very small patrol of forearmed emperor uh, GSC, which is the magus with uh, mass hypnosis and mind control. And then three packs of acolytes, two with hand flamers, and one without hand flamers. And that's the whole list. So, all right. <laughs> first off, Alex, I wanna I wanna just give you a round of applause for playing Tyranids in this day and age. In in 2021, you're playing the Tyranids. My oh my, how are you doing it? What's the secret? <laughs> um, completely dedicate yourself to it. <laughs> Play I mean, that's a good answer. That's a, that is a really good answer. That's a, that's how you do it, I guess. <laughs> Play your ass off in every game, and every once in a while, get a little lucky. Yeah. Well, we're so, here to dissect that today. So, why don't you tell us what the core strategy of your army is? Like, how, what is it even trying to do? Uh, a lot of it is basically playing the game without interacting as much as possible. Um, uh, the one thing that people might notice, because this list isn't a whole lot different to what I've been playing for quite some time, but people will probably notice that I don't have a Demacaron, which is something that I was a huge proponent of like, whatever, eight or so months ago, um, back before it got nerfed, and back before we had Admech and Drukari become the great overlords that they are today. So, the Demacaron being gone is because Admech and Drukari can just... I knew the terrain. I knew going in that I was not going to have anything that could protect an 18-wound model. So I said, okay, if I play against Drukari, if I play against Admech, Demacaron just dies. But a Flyrant is less points and can hide. And yeah, it doesn't hit as hard, but I won't necessarily lose it turn one. Um, and basically the rest of the army kind of plays into that same mentality. The Hive Guard, you'll never see. The Hive Tyrants can hide. The rest of the army I can pretty much put into Deep Strike if I have to. And that lets me play very passive secondaries where I don't have to engage much. I just don't have the durability that other armies have, so I will play Hide and Seek instead. This is a common tactic or strategy I think I see a lot with the less powerful uh, older codices. They try to play a game kind of independent of their opponents, relying on indirect fire and speed and uh, self-sustaining secondaries that kind of don't interact with the opponents, just score points and, and play janky to win the games. Is that kind of a, the approach you're taking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a broad and engage in every single game. Okay, so I can absolutely we'll, we'll get into your secondaries more specifically, but like I, I get the point. You just take secondaries that are kind of independent of your opponent from the onset. How do you play the primary effectively if you're hiding flyrants behind line of sight blocking terrain and keeping hive guard in the backfield? Like I get how you're not dying, but is that how do you actually turn not dying into winning? A lot of times, the primary game is not that I will be getting great primaries myself. Uh, if I'm lucky, I'll have the ability to have like one uh, primary objective that is like fully hidden, which is reasonably common on most boards. So I'm always getting five. And then I will also have, hopefully, sometimes I'll have a second. And then most of the time, it is just stealing my opponents. So I may not get the best primaries, but I will prevent you from getting good primaries as well. Uh, that's double moving hormigons onto objectives. That's lying in wait the acolyte units directly onto objectives because you can show up at three inches and just just basically stealing your opponent's stuff all the time and uh, getting good primaries that way. Right, right. So uh, it's it's pretty much you're sending out little swarm lord double move missiles of obsec to contest your opponent's primaries while just barely holding onto your own. Yep. Maybe not barely. Typically speaking, my back core is pretty untouched, but yeah, sometimes it's harder to get more than two. 
That's really cool. Okay. Um, I noticed also you, like you said, you cut the D McCarrens um, for lack of terrain. I think that's an awesome tech choice because while they're super raw powerful, uh, if they're just going second and getting shot, they're dead. But you know, flyrens aren't nearly as hard hitting as D McCarrens, and Jane Sealers aren't what they are what they used to be. So your army just doesn't hit that hard. How did you manage dealing with that? The the flyrent actually hits harder than people would expect. Um, it's got because of murderous size, it's strength boosted, AP boost, and damage boost. Like it is dealing flat four, and it's got five attacks, rerolling hits. So typically speaking, it hits all five. And whether it's the Demon Karen or the Hive Tyrant, uh, most of the time, if it's an important charge, I'm handing out the reroll to wound stratagem on it anyway. So it does punch down or punch out pretty hard. Um, you have to be a little choosier with what you throw it into than the Demon Karen, obviously, but it'll still kill most targets that you're looking at. Um, and then the Gene Stealers, yeah, they don't hit as hard as they used to, but a lot of times you can kill enough that you will survive the, the swing back and then just use them as either a wall or just, again, stealing an objective. Because you might be able to steal like the really core objective right at the back of their lines with those Gene Stealers. And then you lose them next turn anyway. But sometimes you can use that to pull like a zero for primary for your opponent, which might just be the win. So I've definitely seen Tyranid steal wins from absolutely nowhere because they're just so fast and so good at manipulating the primary. I can see that making a lot of sense for some of your your oddball choices, like the the solo pyrovore, which I I think is absolutely adorable. Why don't you kind of walk us through all of your your individual unit choices and kind of just explain what their role is specifically? Because there's a lot of different ways you could take units to contest the primaries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the flyrant is obviously like the the hard hitter uh, for single targets. Um, it's stupid fast. Uh, he moves sixteen, and he's cracking, so he moves three d six. Take the highest plus one with the adrenal glands, so he averages a twenty two inch move, which of course you can just double with a swarm lord. So he can just be anywhere. Um, so he was kind of like my if there is something out there that just needs to die like something that can kill the gene stealers really quick from distance or something that can interact with hive guard. He was the guy to go and get it. Um, obviously swarm Lord is like the linchpin of the entire army. Uh, that double move is how you activate everything. Uh, the gene stealers are kind of a toolbox. Sometimes they are kill something, build a wall. Sometimes they are, um, kind of just like a weird, like late game threat. Like there are other things that will just, that your opponent will want to shoot at be it the Exocrine or the three Hive Tyrants, or if they can try and get something into the Hive Guard. But sometimes the Gene Stealers can go like turn three, turn four, when the heavy hitters have been dealt with by the Hive Guard or the Exocrine, and now suddenly the Gene Stealers kind of have a lot of value again. They're not throwing them into like the really hard stuff, but later in the game they can start doing like mop-up cleanup through the, the softer stuff. Um, Termagants are kind of utility as well. They can shoot twice, so you can get... With 25 of them, it's 150 shots out of them, um, which may not sound a whole lot compared to shooting in, if you're shooting those at like Gravis Marines, but holy crap, will that kill a ton of Drakari stuff? Like, if you can get them out of their, their raiders, those Termagants will like clear an army out um, from a pretty safe distance as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because there's a lot, a lot of the stuff that's doing. Well, right now it is just toughness three. So those Termagants actually. Um, oh yeah, they just throw down weapon. damage. Yeah. Jukari, um, um, Admex sisters, like not everything is space marines anymore. So those Termagants have gone up in value tremendously. Yeah. 
Do you ever wish you had more just like random trash or obsec units? Do you think this is the right ratio? All all the time. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) Like being an army that's kind of on the back end of like overall power level, it's you do still have to have the stuff that can just like deal the damage, like kill your opponent. So you're usually cutting the utility trash units to fit in the stuff that can just like deal damage. You you need both, but I have to sort of weigh how much trash I can fit. I would love to have like even just 20 more Termagons, like two more units of 10. And this list would actually be awesome. Yeah. But as it stands, it's like it's still just like holding on for dear life, trying to like compete in the meta. Um, yeah, I, I just a few more trash units would be great. Mm-hmm. The the power of war is, anything, is kind is of anything worth cutting for it. I mean, I see things like the the four on patrol, and I understand why uh, playing oh, no. generations in the making is so important. We can get in specific matchups too, but like these are a lot of points and a lot of CP to just get tools. And you think it's necessary? Uh, yes, the Forum Emperor detachment can't go away. It's it's way too important. We'll get there. <laughs> like the way it it allows this army to function is just so important. Um, well, so why don't we why don't we just break that down? Yeah. Why is it so important? Uh, the Magus has huge utility. I know it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but he does have uh, anti Overwatch. I, I gotta stop you. There is a running joke in the Streamhouse about the Magus and how we so terrible because like first let's just look at a primary psyker like he's like half the cost of mages and it's the same thing but it doesn't have a cult ambush for like half the cost oh i know then we have this guitari marshall Zeke was explaining this guy to me the other day so guitari marshall all the four thousand rules he has you know how many points he is 45 points alex 45 how many points is your mages 85 85 okay you can you can keep going now oh no i know it's overpointed it's brutal um if they were all pointed correctly i'd be able to fit my extra 20 Hormagons in there. Um, but the it's got the spell for no Overwatch, which is big, and it's a minus one to hit. Uh, like It is a good spell overall. Uh, I've got him with Mind Control, which again, every once in a while, just catches people off guard. Um, a, one of the most common ways it catches people off guard is they f- suddenly forget. You know, they remember every other time, but at this moment, they suddenly forget that, oh yeah, vehicles sh- can shoot into combat. Like, like People <laughs> will just like... That. I would yeah. really forget. Yeah, people do it all the time. They're like, "Oh, well, I'll just, I'll just touch my tank, and then you can't shoot." Sure, I can shield. Shoot the guy that's touching it. It's like, I, like that used to be the counter. That's like mind control. I'll be a good player. Just leave it within one inch of something at all times. And it's like now you're like, "Good, thank you. I want yeah. that." Oh, you did that with a character. Awesome. <laughs> you know what's a really good use of a single spell is instantly killing a character. That's a very good spell. I think most people would pay 85 points for cast one spell, auto-kill the character that's next to you. goes off on a 7, then you have to beat their leadership. This is such a plan. I know, I know. If it's important, I'll re-roll it, though. Um, Oh my god, you madman. Kill a character? You betcha. A linchpin character? What else Um, do you get from this crazy gene circle? The biggest thing is, really, it's the blips. Against a lot of the super-aggressive armies, uh, it's just just huge. Uh, Redeploying uh, Raven Guard, uh, ponies from Admech. Um, certain armies can just move that quick. You can block planes out. You can prevent planes from getting angles on like Swarmlord or the Hive Guard. Um, I'm gonna ask the noob question that I'm here. How do blips work, and what do they do? Yeah, for sure, <laughs> that is a thing we should do. Um, the blips are for GSC 
they instead of placing the unit down, you place a single little token, and it represents the unit. Uh, the cool thing that works with GSC is that you are allowed to just swap them at any time. If I put two blips down, and I'm like, that one's the Magus, and that one's the Accolades. That just means that they have to be on the board, and they can't be in Deep Strike, but those guys can just swap at any time. Um, but the main thing is you have a stratagem for GSC where you can just create fake ones. So your Magus can basically start like anywhere on the board. And if you have the fake ones plus the real one for the Magus, you can just like blanket your entire deployment zone. So if people have aircraft, they're not allowed to move within nine inches of the blips, which makes no damn sense, but I don't care. It's awesome, and it's really important. <laughs> you just go like, no, you're not allowed to move into my deployment zone, period. You can't get angles on the Exocrine. You can't get angles on the Hive Tyrant. Um, it's very, very powerful. And then the actual Acolytes themselves are just, again, I'm playing the game to not engage with my opponent because I don't have the kill power. Those three units of uh, Acolytes can just hit corners. You can use a lying in wait, which is a stratagem where you can show up at three inches away from your opponent. Uh, you're not allowed to charge, but we don't care. So you can spend two CP to steal five points of five or ten points of primary sometimes and get engage and get rod. So that might be a two point or two CP 40 point unit that gives you like 17 points, like victory points, which is insane. Yeah, absolutely. I think they just do a lot of utility in this detachment, the whole just utility package for a patrol. How many CP do you start with, and what's your general plan for spending them? Uh, I start with seven. Uh, the Relic is free because of the Warlord. The Adaptive Physiology on the Hive Guard is free because I don't take a trait on the Warlord. And then it's one CP to give murderous size to the Hive Tyrant, and then it's two CP for each patrol that is not having a Warlord. You find that that's enough? Well, I guess also, if you're not spending CP on damage and you're spending it all on on movement strats, is that there's not that many of them, right? Or am I misunderstanding the situation here? Uh, not a ton. Um, the It's funny because the Hive Tyrant starts out by spending a CP to give him murderous size, but then a lot of times, if you were really going to go like Hail Mary with a Demacarian, you would spend the CP to double its run uh, from the Kraken book, or the Kraken strat specific. But with the Hive Tyrant, if you're a flying unit, you don't get to use that strat, and he's just faster anyway. Like, he moves the same, even if you were to spend the CP on the Demacarian. So you kind of just immediately get it back if you're about to, like, Hail Mary him in. Um, and other than that, yeah, most of the strats that I'm using are just, like, one CP movement strats. Like, you can double move any Tyranid unit whenever you want. Um, or you can, like, lying in wait for 2 CP, or 1 CP lets your Acolytes advance and charge. Every once in a while, you can like deep strike them behind a building and then actually get them onto an objective by getting them to move like 17 or so inches with a run and a charge and pile and consolidate. Do you find it uh, difficult to really budget the C? I mean, you've obviously been playing hot forces for a long time, so it's probably second nature to you. I found like, because um, Tyranids have not been my, I think the last time I actually main Tyranids was like a third edition. Um, Whenever I dabble in them or I put them on the table, especially even if I'm just playing solo Tyranids, it just seems like, you know, it's almost the drawbacks of an older book where it just seems like so many of their stratagems are like two CP where they would be one CP in a newer book. And then how do you, how do you really balance that out? You know, with like double shoot two CP, then you're, 
you're double moving here, double moving there, and then you know you're, and then you're you're, you're pocketing that uh, was it three or four CP now to do the uh, the vect uh, plans and making. Oh, I know vect. It's just there to scare oh, you people. Don't do it. You just you just threat. Okay, well that makes the budget way easier. But I mean, you still have to you still have to like show that though for a couple turns. You know, even if you don't plan on using it. So functionally, it's almost like you've loaned that CP out. Almost like it's like a like a loan. You know, like you could spend it. But as soon as you spend it, the threat is gone. So in a way, you are you are still kind of paying for it, at least a little bit. But knowing you'll get to spend that CP on something else, uh, how do you how do you wrestle with that? Uh, I mean, I I think a lot of people kind of know that it's not ever coming out, um, but they do still have to think about it because every once in a while, you know, you'll go. It affects their plans in the sense that even if it's just a reroll, like that's one of the things that seems really. Uh, like a like people think like oh I'm gonna use it on like some crazy big stratagem sometimes it's just a failed charge like nope nope you you failed your charge and you're gonna stay having failed that charge so it takes away some of the reliability of certain things uh, certain plans that your opponent is making become a little less uh, sure because of that do you do you feel like it not it lost some native power in ninth edition with the uh, limitations to command reroll I know it used to be used on like hilarious things like CP reroll and explosion or Cell scene standing up or stuff like that, but now this command reroll can only be used on certain divine things. Uh, do you find uh, the times you can use it more limited? I mean, I mostly find it more limited just because I'm not rolling around with like 21 CP like it used to be. But Fair. as far as what I'm throwing it at, um, yeah, it's a little more limited. It's got to be like really clutch, which it did come in in one of my games, which we'll eventually get to. It was it was the best use of Vect of like all time. It was so good. We'll oh, get definitely to it. Definitely <laughs> on part two. I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah. we have part two. We're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna make you guys sign up for that one. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it, guys. <laughs> I do have a question for you, Vec. Though, um, now that you can't CP reroll to get Vect off, like if you roll a one, you just throw C three CP into a dumpster. Like, does that ever cross your mind when you're vecting stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. That's why. Like, that's why it almost never happens. Um, if it's going to happen. I just, I just don't think about it. I just throw the dice and pray. But if I'm doing it, if I finally committed to it, it's like game winning. Like, oh, this is about to break your back. Okay, we're yeah. going for it's, it. You don't just do this because it's like, this is quality of life upgrade. You do this like, this is this is the game plan I've chosen to take. Yeah, yeah. you are about to lose the game on this. So I'm going to go for it. That's kind of the only time it ever comes out. All right. So that kind of is your CP budget. Let's talk about your secondaries. You danced around them a little bit. I'm sure you take engage and rods, which you talked about, but sometimes uh, it's not your opponent's army. doesn't really let you do gamblers or rods rather. They screen a lot or engage is difficult a hard deployment and your opponent's got a big army. So like, what's the general, how do you pull this off? Like, what are your go-tos? Uh, rod never gets stopped. Um, when you have, when you have lying in wait and you can show up within three inches, no one's screening you out. That makes sense. Um, even, it's like even if it's too hard. Yeah. If, if, are they really good? And the, the funny thing is that when they know it's coming, they stop trying to screen at nine inches as well. I have seen that phenomena. Oh, yeah. all the time. They're like, oh, I just can't stop this. Like, yes, you can't stop this. I even we're trying. Yeah. You, you can force two CP out of me. And, and then people just don't care. It's like, well, if you need to, you'll just do it anyway because you can show up like literally beside me. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times people will just ignore it and not do anything about it. Uh, engage is interesting um i almost never get engage on turn one or if i do it's only two points yeah um but that's fine two points on turn one is fine and then after that it's 
by the time turn two hits, now we're deep striking into corners to do rod. Um, so we're doubling up on our point getting. Um, and then usually after that, I mean, I don't ever get 15 unengaged, but I'll get like 12 or 13, which is fine. What are your to the last? Are you built for that at all? Uh, I did not ever go for to the last. Um, my to the last targets would be the Hive Guard, the Flyrant, and the Swarmlord. And the Swarmlord and Flyrant are dying for sure. They they are, are they done like every game because I've seen Swarmlord make it to the end many many times. And same with the Flyrant, honestly. It's very uh, win more. Like if my yeah. Swarmlord has lived to the turn five, I'm like destroying you anyway. So who cares? I was thinking yeah. the last could make sense since your whole plan is to hide behind walls and do nonsense in the backfield and just barely score points here. Uh, so hiding behind walls, Swarm Lord, is, is really hard to kill. Part of the... I mean, it's not hiding the entire game. It's hiding until... I like Basically, my, my hiding is not I will hide the entire game. It is I will segment out what I'm throwing at you. So this hides and continues to hide and then turn... Okay, turn three hits. Okay, the Gene Stealers are going. Turn four hits. The Swarm Lord is going. Like, eventually everything is being thrown out because I need to continually be stealing primaries. And also, this kind of like slow trickle of units I'm throwing out is to keep you away from the Hive Guard and the X Like, those Hive Guard have to live the entire game if you're going to win these games. So it's very much like, okay, uh, Kraken's Hive Tyrant goes like round one or round two and starts to disrupt and tag and touch and try and move block between buildings and get critical kills. And then turn two happens, and the kind of versatile uh, Hive Tyrant like postures forward a little bit, because maybe the first Hive Tyrant killed the heavy shooting, so that Hive Tyrant is a little safer now. And the Gene Stealers also go there. The Void gets moved twice from the Swarm Lord, and then turn three happens. And now both Swarm Lord and that Hive Tyrant, they push in and start to keep blocking. I just keep slowing them down and keeping them away from the Hive Guard and keep putting them onto objectives. Mm-hmm. But everything eventually, most if it's a close game, if it's a game where I am, like, again, just trying to like grind out that win, almost everything dies by the end of the game. So what do you uh, usually take for your third secondary uh, if... If the mission, if your opponent doesn't give up anything, and it's not a good mission secondary, uh, like the vital intelligence or priority targets, something like that, what do you usually take for that third one? It's completely dependent on whatever I'm up against. Um, I've had a couple of successes with assassinate. I have had some successes with uh, hive guard getting me grind. Grind is sometimes a trap, but I can usually get about nine out of it. A lot of times, I'll get grind on turn one. Because I'll get like one trash kill with the hive guard, and I don't show my face to anyone, and nothing dies. Uh, and then turn two, maybe I lose like one or two trash units, but the gene stealers go kill something, and the hive guard and exocrine kill two more things, or the hive guard shoot twice and get like a fourth kill. Um, and then usually like turn three or four is where I just lose like all of my units, and then turn five I get it again because the hive guard kills something and they have nothing left to kill. Do you ever find that um, that your grind strategy sometimes conflicts with your engage strategy? It, it feels like almost unless the terrain is super good, uh, you almost would have to uh, give up engage that first turn to make sure you don't give up grind. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I, you have to remember that it's the army is so fast that I can throw a unit like far, far corner behind cover, and they'll still remain safe. Like kind of straddling That's that reasonable. range of where they won't be able to charge me, but they also can't shoot me. Um, like a 10-man Hormigant unit, double moving, can go like 
like 28 inches on average. So sometimes you can like break the center line pretty easily and also get to the piece of terrain that was like 10 inches behind the center line. Somebody else. Go ahead. ahead, Oh oh, yeah. Something else I wanted to ask real quick was, um, cause it's something I, that I notice sometimes. And a lot of times when I'm trying to project the score, uh, when my opponent picks secondaries, uh, it's, it's something that's always kind of in the back of my mind is I personally hate, uh, picking two secondaries that I can only score 12 on. And in my opinion, engage in all fronts is usually a 12 point secondary. Like that's what I consider a max. Cause you rarely go for the three points turn one with most armies, unless you're like maybe dark, maybe dark counter. I don't know. So did you ever felt that was an issue where you are taking engage, you're taking rod. So at that point, realistically, you're only going to score a 94 max and then if your third secondary, it could be a little bit rough and you're only planning like maybe like eight or nine points on it. That now you're looking at maybe like a, a soft cap of like 89 to 90 points as the maximum you can score. And that's assuming everything goes to plan and you max your primary. And against some of these newer codexes that are just point factories and just score so hard. Uh, do you ever really feel like you're under the gun right from the word? I mean, I'm assuming you are because you know, playing an old old book, that's just kind of how it is. But scoring wise, do you ever really feel like you're over the uh, under the gun? How do you uh, how do you get around that? Oh, oh yeah, no, no. Every every game is like punching up. <laughs> like this is this is Warhammer on hard mode. It's two eighth edition books, one that has been like nerfed into the ground. Uh, GSE, of course, because GW just decided to like nuke that thing from orbit. Um, it it is tough. It is tough. A lot of it again. That's why I'm always talking about like stealing their primaries. I will get basically everything that I'm doing. Really, it's all doing one unit does everything all at once. So like the gene stealers, they're going to get me engage points. They're going to maybe kill a character. They're going to steal an objective. They're going to move block. That's, that's all the things I'm getting out of a single unit. And it's the same thing with like, like every unit. A lot of times people will be surprised when I will shoot my hive guard a second time. And they're like, oh, well, there's, there's nothing valuable in front of you. Like, ah, yeah, but you've got some trash over there sitting on that objective. And I'm just going to pull you off that objective. I, that's it. This is another two CP expenditure to kill what's on a primary. And I'm just going to continually deny what you have. I'm very, my, yes, it's only 12 points for engage and rod. But I, like I said, I'm almost guaranteed to get that. You can't stop me. So I can spend a lot of my time just preventing you from getting yours. Do you ever look at psychic ritual or mental interrogation as a secondary? Man, I keep looking at psychic ritual in the, the idea of I could throw something forward, do it, and then pull them back with the swarm lord. I love that move. I love that move. But man, it feels really bad that the only thing that I would feel is fast enough to do that would be like a, a brood lord or a flyrin, and like man, spending two hundred and ten points. Let's hold on, hold on. Using swarm lord's second move which is like, let's say half of his points, plus the, the Hive Tyrant to get me three CP, or three victory points. It's like 400 points to get three victory points. Like, oh, it feels so bad. Okay, yeah, that doesn't sound great when you say it like that. Yeah. It's not like that, but it can be like that. Yeah, I would rather just use Swarmlord to double move something across into a third quarter and get two command or two victory points instead of three. For sure. So one thing I noticed about your army to kind of switch topics a second is that a lot of it is based on moving across the table and standing in the exact right spots. And that is vulnerable to things like 
heroics, especially six inch heroics, because when you're trying to move block somebody, they can just pile right into you, or just yourself getting move block because most of your stuff doesn't have fly. Have those ever been issues for you? Uh, not typically. A lot of times, the order of operations um, is a little strange because the, the because the army is l- just so insanely fast. If you want to move block me anything that's efficiently, you're in range of the hive guard. Like if if right. there's anything that you want to do, like if my uh, gene stealers or hormigons, let's say we even throw like a strat a CP into it for either the kraken one or the uh, just general move twice stratagem, that means that those units can move like thirty plus inches. If you want to actually efficiently move block that, you're in range of the hive guard, and I'm just going to take you out of my way because I get to segment my movement. I get to move eighteen, kill the wall, and then just move another fourteen. That's true, because you get to move in multiple phases and do do it like that. So yeah. There's no real move blocking you, because you can move at various times. Yeah, That's not thing. not really. You can force my hand as to where the hive guard are going to shoot, but if you're if you're just giving me targets for the hive guard to shoot, like yeah, all day. Because most of the time, it'll start to be that my opponent realizes like, oh crap, I can't ever interact with the hive guard. That they just give them this like thick thirty six inch bubble and just stay away from them, which is also fun. Sometimes people respect the hive guard too much. Uh, and play behind, like out of their range, and that's fine by me. I want the whole point of my army is just board control anyway. So, Alex, you've heard my horror stories of the Hive Guard. You you know my hatred for them. Yeah, but that's just your Hive Guard. <laughs> we we all know that's just my Hive Guard. But like, are your Hive Guard just never cold? You have these magical well, Hive Guard. They hive Guard. The hive Guard really just strike me as that unit where they just like whenever I play with them, they just disappoint me for several turns, and then they just have that one turn where they just completely go off, and I'm like, okay, all's forgiven. You're never you're never going to leave my list. Yeah, my Hive Guard are. Typically pretty statistical. <laughs> or what? I'm serious, man. Mine just kind of like roll like oh, I got symbiosis on them. His, his, his loaded hive guard. What do you mean they're all average? Break this down for me. I don't I, they don't have woods in Canada. <laughs> uh yeah, I didn't have to deal with many, many woods, which was nice. That is true. But yeah, no, typically speaking, I put Symbiosturm on them and they roll 12 hits, which is stats. <laughs> 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 or if they don't roll like they're supposed to, it's always like the second volley. They'll like roll decent. I'm like, okay, I just got to finish off these two things, and then they'll they'll fail on me. But if I shoot, are them, you double shooting these things every single turn? No, or- no, 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 no. Um, I double shoot them. I only ever double shoot them twice, or for sorry, not twice. I only ever double shoot them for two reasons. It is going to get me. It is directly about to get me. CP or sorry, uh, victory points. Like it's about to take my opponent off a of primary or kill a vehicle that I have bring it down on or something like that. And like, or are you sure these things are going to happen when you shoot the hive guard the second time? Or yeah, are you taking yeah. Chance? Like, like maybe it's like I happens, maybe it doesn't. I did some damage. A unit's crippled. There's like two intercessors left. Um, or like let's you, say, I don't think your hive guard didn't kill two intercessors. That's interesting. Also. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> and then the other one time I'll shoot is it's like an absolutely critical target. Like, oh, this is Vanguard veterans in my face. This is like something about to put a ton of pressure on me. It has to get either killed or or crippled. Right. Then we'll go for it again. Other than that, I try not to. Just for like, let's get another shooting phase. No. Get another activation. No, it has to be directly about to either like stop my opponent from getting into my lines or affecting the hive guard themselves, or it has to be like. Oh, I'm about to like remove two different units off of uh, primaries or something. No, I like that. I think that's a good good CP discipline to have. 
What the yeah. heck it's hard so, because sometimes you're just like, oh, I just want to shoot again. I just want 12 strength eight hits. <laughs> yes. But even even if you have Hive Guard that somehow roll average, which I'm, I'm just going to believe for the sake of argument here, I don't actually believe you. Um, how do they... There, there are things in the game that like ignore AP2, for example, and they're not uncommon ad mech. And there are things that just don't care about Hive Guard, like a lot of minus one damage in the game in the form of Dreadnoughts, and a lot of wounds, and they heal with the Tech Marines. Like, how do you... How are these keeping up damage-wise? Um... It's tough. A lot of times you will just not be shooting at the uh, Dreadnoughts. Uh, if I do, I, in this instance for this tournament, I just happen to not play Marines. Um, if it was a Dreadnought heavy list, a lot of times it is just kill the infantry and again, just go and steal objectives. Um, if right. you just have, if I'm forcing your Dreadnoughts to have to sit on objectives, that's great for me because um, I'm controlling where you're sitting now. Uh, if it's Admech, I, I don't actually plan for Admech at all. Um, when I mean, you just let it happen. Yeah, I just, I just lose the game. That's fine. Like every event that I go to right now, I just look at it and go, okay, I might run into like a really competent ad mech player, and I will lose that game. Like I have no. Um, Unfortunately, that is the reality. Tyrants are here, ad mech is there, so I don't even fault yeah. you for this mentality. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't. I haven't teched for them. I haven't like. Oh, here's my like secret. Like this is how I beat ad mech tech. I just, I just take the loss. <laughs> <laughs> Sad realities. Yeah. Well, that you know what, going for on an event and that's, that's fine. That's fine. That's that's a good showing. And then also, you did just win an event by I'm assuming not hitting Admech, or did you? There's only one Admech player there, um, and I did not play him. Canada, magical place. <laughs> <laughs> there was three Jukari players there, which was ten percent of the field. Well, I'm very excited to uh, head on over to part two and get an in-depth breakdown of these matchups. Tim, do you have more questions for Alex before we do that, though? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered all the basics. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're good, Nick, I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Let's rock and roll. All right, listeners, thanks for joining us in the Art of War 40K. If you're not a subscriber and you'd like to be heard, uh, you can go over to the theartofwar40k.com, gain access to part two of this episode, uh, where we're going to talk about matchups. We're also going to talk about the best effect of all time. Uh, you can also gain access to the War Room, where coaches uh, like Alex and Nick, uh, John, Richard, uh, Brad, all of them break down every faction with weekly clinics, strategy sessions, math clinics, and stream games, including subscriber requests. Uh, until then, I'm Tim, and I will see you guys next time. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.